side. Stick out the mandolin and the, the voice. The whole thing, really. Show. Hello and welcome to another edition of Hop Heroes, the show where we talk about our favorite drinks and our favorite heroes. I'm your host, Jordan Erith, and with me as always, we have talented artists and comic enthusiasts, J.R. Gonzalez. Sup, Jay? What's up, buddy? And then, as always, again with us, we have our third host, my boy, Zach Barlow. How you living, kid? I'm all right, man. Yeah, me too, man. It's, uh, it's with heavy hearts we come to your guys' uh, headphones today. We are recording uh, just mere hours after the news was announced of the passing of Kobe Bryant, um, obviously sports NBA legend and sports icon and worldwide icon. I mean, it's 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 a tragedy. It's, this one hits hits pretty hard. And not only did Kobe pass, but his daughter is now just came out. His daughter was on the the helicopter with him when it happened, and several others. Um, by the time you guys hear this episode, when it comes out, there might be more that comes, uh, more news that comes out about the situation. But at this point, it's just it's just hitting the world, and everybody's feeling it. So, figure we could start it off, just go around. If if anybody has anything they want to say, um, I know Z, you're a big fan of our boy Cobes. Um, Jr., I'm not sure if uh, uh, Kobe had any part in in your life, or I'm sure. I mean, uh... obviously. Not really. Not, I wasn't a really a big Lakers fan. Um, I do remember a lot because uh, from what the early 2000s with him and Shaq and um, my favorite games were to watch Lakers versus Sacramento. And, you know, it's Chris Webber and BB and all those guys trying so hard, so hard to, to <laughs> do, beat the Lakers. And all yeah. you got to do is all I remember is getting the ball to Kobe and it's like it's over. It's, you, you can't Kobe and Shaq. You can't really do anything about um but yeah, it's very. I was in shock, obviously. And you know, you watch. It's very sad. You're like, wait a minute, not not Kobe Bryant. Like, and you're hoping for like some kind of like, nah, this is a mistake, you know. And then, and the way I heard about it is uh, obviously through the Patriots. Julian Edelman on his uh, Instagram account was announcing it. But yeah, that's you know, that's all I remember usually about Kobe Bryant. I am from Southern California. Most family are, are Laker fans. Um, I just never grew up a Laker fan. So, but it was fun to watch him. Definitely. Yeah, man. Z, how you holding up, buddy? I'm not good, dog. I um, I uh, I grew up with Kobe. Kobe, he was my he's my favorite player throughout all of his career, and I remember I used to get clowned really hard for loving Kobe Bryant. Your favorite player was Joe Johnson, <laughs> and you hated that I rooted for Kobe. Yeah, uh, of course. But I did, and uh, he was my man. And um, I have I remember. Uh, the seven-game series in 2010 against the Boston Celtics. And when Boston was, like, the the big three. Like, it was the first time anybody had seen the big three, the three-headed monster. And they were, like, yeah. this, the world beaters. And, and Kobe was, you know, essentially by – I mean, not by himself. He had good players on that team. But it was – he didn't have a big three. And, and, I, and he took that, that series to game seven and then won it. And uh, I just remember – I have that, that playoff series on DVD – like in in my room, like I watch it at least once a year because I just feel like it's it's just he just mentally decides like I'm not losing today, and he doesn't even play good in Game Seven. He I think he ended up going uh uh, uh what is it like six for twenty four shooting, but he didn't care like he but then he had like fifteen assists and fifteen rebounds like he was just like I I'm winning this game, and yeah. and he did and um. 
I don't know, man. It's it's hard. I I, I feel like I honestly could have cried today if I let myself. Like I, it's it's weird because I don't know him. Obviously, we've never met, but because I was such a big fan for so long, I, he was a big part of my life and a big part of my childhood and and growing up. And 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 what sucks too is that I, I feel so bad for his family and and you know he was only forty one and it seemed like he was about to be like the next greatest thing in his second act of life. I mean, it yeah. just felt like he was about to be a big deal. He's, I mean, he was a big deal, but it felt like he was doing incredible things already. I mean, he won an Oscar I know. <laughs> after retiring from the NBA. He won an Oscar. I, I, it just seemed like the, like nothing could have stopped him from doing whatever he wanted. And it seemed like he had, he was going to do some incredible things. So it's, it's just, um, it sucks, dude. Like, it just sucks. It sucks, and there's just no, like, I don't know, no other way to think about it. The The only thing that, that I took away from this today was that, like, life is so random, and you just never know. Like, it could be at any time on any given day. Because he took that chopper a million and a half times. Like, it, it's just... Yeah. Nobody would have thought like, oh yeah, Kobe's gonna die the day after LeBron like breaks his scoring record. Like this is his last day on earth. His last post on Instagram is congratulating LeBron for beating his scoring record ever, and that's gonna be it for him. Nobody knows. So you just have to you gotta just like squeeze the people that you love and make sure you can stay as present as possible and, and milk this thing for what it's worth, like he did, because you just never know. And but I, I think that the way he lived was and is an inspiration to me. Um, and so, yeah, that's, that's all I got really. Thanks for, uh, pouring your heart out there, man. Yeah. I know that, that, that must've hit you hard. I know I, I always gave you shit for being a Laker fan. Uh, I was always a fan of the <laughs> underdog and felt like the Lakers were like the Sith Lords or the empire. And, uh, like, I mean, this, this just doesn't make sense. The situation, like it's, it hasn't registered with a lot of people I've heard. And with me, it hasn't really, cause it's just so out of the ordinary and, it, yeah, it's just bizarre. Like you can't like it is, life is random. And one thing that I guess I, I took away is just like I can't let my fandom of sports dictate how I feel about individuals. I mean, I grew up despising the game of Kobe Bryant and nothing about him as a character or a person just because he was fucking good and he played on the Lakers. So I didn't like him. And it's like the similar like I feel the same way about Derek Jeter. Never liked Jeter. Didn't like hate the Yankees. Um Tom Brady, you know, the Patriots, like I just, I can't stand the best players on the historical best teams. And it, it led to a point where it wasn't even like, I didn't enjoy the person because it was Kobe Bryant. And like, now that this has happened, um, it just makes you realize how stupid and silly that is and how childish the fandom can be when you, when you look at it from that perspective. And um, I will say after he retired, seeing him like there's that viral meme but him and his daughter you know just talking on the sidelines and in the stands like he's going over some obviously some gameplay or something and uh it's just i don't know that's the fact that that they're both gone it's crazy that's that that has so much more meaning to it now and um yeah it's just really sad so uh rest in peace to kobe the mamba and um prayers to the families and everybody that was lost in the incident um, but yeah, let's move forward. Um, we got a lot of fun topics to talk about today, so we'll get through the darkness. Um, the uh, the beverage breakdown is a little interesting. Um, for the past few months, we've been brewing some um, some hard cider here, me and Sammy, and then 
uh, her coworker, former coworker, his name is Andrew Smith, and he's uh, called him the, the alcohol oracle because he's got so much knowledge about the the product and the in the process. And he's uh, he was fort or kind enough to sit in on an interview with me um, just to talk about what we brewed and what we brewed was some hard cider. And I named it, uh, or Sammy and I named it apple af because it's the uh the most basic hard cider you can possibly make it's literally just treetop apple <laughs> juice and yeast <laughs> so it's just the fucking most basic drink in the world um and so we'll uh, we'll go into our beverage breakdown and, and, and check out how you Hello, listeners. It's Jordan here, and I have the Oracle himself. Hello. My Andrew. name is Andrew. Lovely to meet you. Thanks for being on, Andrew. Appreciate absolutely. It, man. Thanks for having me. Uh, absolutely, man. Um, so I've mentioned you before because uh, famously your favorite beer was the uh, Sierra Nevada Pale Ale. Correct. Yes. So the listeners already have an idea of your knowledge of the industry and alcohol. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I guess my first question is just, you know, I'm curious, what, what drew you to the industry? Why alcohol? Um, so there I was, 19 years old. It was my, my first summer living, not with my parents, um, and uh, living here in Anchorage. And the girl that I was dating at the time had a friend who'd been doing a, a, a lot of homebrewing. Um, and he was over at our place, and I can't remember if this meeting was before or after he gave me the tattoo with a sewing needle in India ink, but roughly the same time. <laughs> Um, like a good guy. Yeah, yeah. So, so the guy who who gave me my first tattoo um, also taught me how to make booze. Um, and this was uh, yeah, summer of two thousand seven when I was nineteen. Um, I didn't, you know, maybe made four or five batches of mead um, that summer, not a whole lot. And then I was kind of bouncing around all over the place in Alaska, not really having a place to settle down to really be able to make a whole bunch of stuff. And of course, you need to generally be in uh, a specific place for at least about a month or two to be able to package something. <laughs> sure. Um, and then once I, I finally had a, a place that it seemed like I was going to stay for um, a pretty significant amount of time, which is in 2012, um, I started homebrewing again. And then... Um, at the time, I was working at um, a, a relatively high-end bottle shop here in Anchorage, and the owner of the homebrew shop was was in the store lamenting that that she didn't have enough employees and that she was having um, uh, difficulty finding people to, to, to work for her, um, which made me flash back to when I was 19. I walked into their store my first time ever, and I was like, hey, do you people hire anybody under 21? And they said no. <laughs> here I was several years later, over the age of 21, um, Stars and I, aligned. Yep, exactly. Kind of right place, right time. And I went to work for them for um, a little under two years. And I like to refer to it as getting paid to get um, uh, basically an associate's degree in, in making booze. Uh, certainly not the, the same quality of education as you would get if you went to the Siebel Institute or like uh, UC Davis's brewing school. And there's a few other uh, uh, brewing schools that have opened up. Um, but the education I got was uh, a lot more generally applicable, um, and I didn't pay anything for it. And in fact, it got paid. Yeah, paid, yeah. Um, so by the time I was done working for them, I had essentially um, a professional-grade brewing setup for making five gallons at a time. Um, Very cool. Yep. Okay, well, so you know your shit. So you started off with mead? I did. Um, mead, man. I never had mead, so I only see Vikings drink that shit. Well, uh... Given that honey is almost entirely simple sugar, it's one of the easiest things to go straight from product to booze. Um, 
and okay. we can we can make a great thought experiment about honey being the first booze that that humanity ever discovered. Um, so here we are, uh, we're, we're we're back in we'll say nine thousand BC. Um, shit could even be fifteen thousand BC. Whatever. Fuck it. <laughs> yeah, before recorded history, you could be anywhere in the world, um, and anywhere in the world with forests anyway. And there's a big rainstorm. You're caught out in the forest. You're lost. Um, and the next day you're running around and you find this, this, this pool of water that's been perfectly captured by a, a, a section of root in the tree. Well, unbeknownst to you, there's a, a, a beehive up above this little hollow and the rainstorm had knocked some of that honeycomb out of the beehive down into this water. Well, now just hanging out in that water with the natural wild yeast that are floating around, you bend down to take a drink and think you're just going to get some, some refreshment, some hydration. Um, 20 minutes later, you're feeling pretty good. You're the first person ever to get drunk. Um, <laughs> but really, at the end of the day, the point I try to make there is that booze makes itself naturally. Uh, there's, there's yeast floating around in the air, um, have been for, for millennia eternal. And once they get their hands on some sugar, they're going to chew that sugar up and produce CO2 and alcohol. Gotcha. Um, so meat's it's very easy. Um, it is one of the easiest, but also most expensive because honey's expensive. Okay. Um, but otherwise, that I mean, you mix honey and water and then you add yeast and you're, you're going to get meat at the end of it. So what, I mean, just hypothetically in that process, how long would the honeycomb have to be like activated in the water or whatever to get it? Uh, in, in the sort of historical context, um, or prehistorical even, uh, I mean, you could start seeing alcoholic effects within a couple days. Um, it's not going to be real strong, but then the first person to ever drink alcohol in the history of human existence probably didn't have much of a tolerance. Ultimate lightweight, yeah. <laughs> um, but when we think of, of uh, 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 contemporary examples, it's usually been between two weeks to a month for all of the fermentation to be complete in um, a honey-based situation. Most situations, honey-based specifically. Gotcha. Okay. Goddamn, you know everything. All right, I love it. I do not know everything, <laughs> but I know a bunch. You know a bunch. So you were kind enough to help me and Sammy uh, brew a home cider, which we're drinking right now, mm-hmm. and it's fucking delicious. Um, is there anything that is unique about brewing cider, or is the process the exact same as beer? Uh, it is radically different from beer. Um, if for no other reason, then you don't have to get, you don't have to make simple sugars with cider. The apple grows the simple sugars. The simple sugars are already, they're already there in the apple. Whereas with, with making beer, we have to go through um, a few pretty complicated chemical procedures in order to get all of the carbohydrates, the long sugar strains um, in grain, to be broken down into chunks that the yeast can easily digest. Um, gotcha. Yeah. Um, and so that's, that, that's a whole like cooking. And you have to cook beer. You don't have to cook cider. True. Um, we, we did do a whole lot of shortcuts with the cider since all we did was take tree chop organic juice and, and add some, some yeast to it, uh, which is perfectly fine. Viewers at home, you can, or listeners at home, I guess you're not watching us, which may or may not be good for your health. Hopefully you're not watching Right, us. yeah. <laughs> um, at any rate, uh, uh, you can do this at home. You can take any um, apple juice that you prefer and add yeast to it, um, and in a couple weeks it'll be cider. Uh, might not be the best cider that you ever had in your life, but it will be alcoholic cider, and it's, and it's really that easy. Um, that's basically all we did here. Yeah. The shortcut that we skip is that, of course, we're starting with juice. Uh, we're not starting with apples. Now, right. when we're starting with apples, it gets to be uh, much more complicated, but you have a lot more control over the process. You know, you can say, oh, I'm going to do 50% Granny Smith, 50% um, Golden Delicious, and combine that together, um, and you'll be able to have a, a much more 
specific and unique uh, flavor profile. Gotcha. Yeah, and I see like they do like habanero ciders and all that, like the spicy stuff too. So you can really well, and and with uh, those types of flavor additives, you don't necessarily have to make it any more difficult than we've done already. Um, you can just add those flavors in later on. You, you don't have to crush up the habaneros with the apples, or rather, you don't have to start with whole apples in order to make a habanero cider. Sure, sure. Okay. Well, yeah. I mean, the process this, you simplified it to us like to a T, and I, I was very surprised by how how easy it was and. Um, it is so basic. It's the most basic cider that I've ever seen. So Sammy and I decided to name it Apple AF because it was the sure, most basic thing sure. in the world. So uh, <clears throat> I figured scale one to ten, you know, how do you feel about the name? You approve? Uh, I mean, it's 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 better than many booze names I've encountered. <laughs> I imagine you would hate that name because I think that it's the most. Yeah, it's it's, uh, it's also better than a lot of like uh, for commercially produced booze within the United States. They have to submit label and name to the feds for approval. Which is why you all of the sort of like lewd and suggestive stuff you see on beer labels is all well, suggestive. It's all innuendo. There's nothing like explicit because the feds wouldn't allow it. <clears throat> now, in the case of cannabis, there's no federal oversight because it's still federal legal. So these assholes can name their weed strains whatever the hell they want. Oh, which I've is seen some of those names. <laughs> a unilaterally bad idea. <laughs> yeah. um, I'm, I'm convinced that there should be only one person in the world who should be in charge of weed strain names. And that's me. Because I have better taste than everybody who's naming <laughs> their weed strains, apparently. Um, Sammy's told me some horror stories. Oh, God. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, and so in the context of like all of the various different names for things that I've come across, uh, yours is fine. Okay. Yeah, yeah, you approve. All right. Yeah, it's... Fair enough. Well, that's, I'm so happy to hear that. Nothing objectionable about it. Awesome, awesome. Okay. Well, one of our um, our other hosts, Zach, he had a couple questions he wanted me mm-hmm. to ask you. Certainly. Um, and they're pretty profound questions. They really make you think. Oh, do um, they? It's a lot of depth to this one. So how many uh, ciders does it take to you black out? It depends on the strength of the cider. Okay. So yeah. average average alcohol percentage. So average alcohol. So uh, this, this gives us an interesting uh, tangent. The average alcohol percentage for ciders is 6.9%. And this dates back to British excise tax. Um, oh, yeah, yes. right. Let's so, go back. Drunk history. Um, what will happen uh, is, uh, for a long time in England, the tax structure was based on the alcoholic strength of the beverage. So once you hit 7%, you were instantly in a new tax bracket. So now, very often, you'll see 6.99% ciders. Are they really 7%? Are they really under 7%? Oh. Who knows? But that's why so many ciders are listed at 6.9%. Interesting. I've seen uh, my buddies uh, studied wine in college. He said there's something similar with the wine. They have to be around the 15% mark. And so they like stick to that number because if you go over, there's a certain tax or there's something else. And, and um, with wine especially because uh, uh, so much focus is on balance of flavor and alcohol is a flavor that's going to alter your overall balance. Um, it seems like most wines I encounter are in the, like, the 11 to 13, 14% range. And I suspect a lot of that has to do with balancing the flavor of the alcohol against the rest of the product. Sure. And also, I imagine historic alcohol wasn't as strong. Sure. Because they didn't have super bred yeast like we do. Yeah, everything's just fucking amplified nowadays anyways. So, if you had to pick a number for you personally, how many ciders do you think you get smashed before you, you black out? Of average strength ciders? Shit, I don't know. Like, 10 maybe? 10? Yeah. Well, his next question... I mean, that's, that's what I'd start with anyway. His next question is prove it. So... We don't have enough <laughs> We'll go out in the fridge. We'll, we'll, we'll have a good night, you know. Oh, gosh. All right. <laughs> now nah, we'll do that too on a weeknight. And that's not even a fucking question, Zach. So prove it. Doesn't prove make it. sense. Jesus prove Christ. Prove it? God damn it. He just wants to black on the mic, which... 
you know, it's fun. It's what we do. Sure. Um, right. well, he can, he's not here, <laughs> so I don't have to account to him. Party on. Oh, man. So um, one question we ask everybody we have on the mm-hmm, show. Mm-hmm. Um, do you personally have a favorite superhero? Uh, sure, sure. But you won't like my answer. Mal- Malcolm X. Malcolm X is your favorite superhero. Absolutely. Why do you consider him a superhero? Uh, have you read his autobiography? I have not. No. Probably ought to. Okay. Um, and and this is uh, uh, not to necessarily demean um, Martin Luther King's outstanding and incredible achievements and the fact that he um, his legacy and his method of thought has been pretty thoroughly distorted by the people who had him killed, which I guess kind of makes sense since they're the ones who had him killed. Uh, but there was just a, a sort of panache and 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 an attitude and energy that Malcolm X carried with him. Um, and I read his autobiography when I was in sixth grade, which was oh, shit. pretty eye-opening <laughs> for uh, an upper-middle-class white kid from rural yeah, Alaska. I can imagine. Um, so there's a lot that stuck with me. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean... Malcolm you, X, dude. That's, yep. that's by far the best answer I've ever heard asking that question. That's well, I tried. Um, and then the last question, just the same we asked everybody, mm-hmm. if you had one superpower, what would it be? Uh... Probably flight. Flight's good. I like flight. Flight's pretty hard to beat. Yeah. yeah it's pretty common. Flight, uh, eternal life. Is yeah, one. I mean, but I feel like you lose the beauty. When you, when well, uh, with uh, eternal life is, is kind of one of those things like eternal happiness. Like after a certain point, you don't have anything else com- to compare it to. Right. So like your happiness is no longer happy because you don't have anything to balance it against. The your eternal right. life no longer becomes meaningful because a, all of the people that you would share it with freaking dead. Mm-hmm. Um, any of the people that you're going to share it with are going to freaking die. Um, <laughs> and you know that. Yeah, and uh, for me, like, uh, as you may or may not have picked up, I'm, I'm big on, like, pursuit of knowledge and seeking out and, 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 and self-education and things sure. like that. Um, and even though there's there's more knowledge, like, being developed each and every single day, we're discovering more stuff all the time, um, get friggin' bored. And then you eventually get bored of everything and off yourself or just turn into an increasingly despicable individual where you're just, like, <laughs> trying terrible things to see if you can, A, get away with it, B, to see what happens that, like... Either you'd off yourself or become just the worst person in all of human history. There's no positive outcome. No. no. Uh-uh. I can't imagine one either. Yeah, that's, that's why vampires are so pissed off all the time. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. All right, man. Well, that's all the questions I have. Is there anything else you want to put out there to listeners? Anything about the alcohol industry or you personally that... Uh, the alcohol industry is often gentrification incarnate. Uh, do not let your neighborhood breweries and bars edge out the working class individuals who have lived in those neighborhoods for generations. Um... Uh, don't drink every IPA on the menu. Um, <laughs> Why not? Uh, because they probably taste all the same. And <laughs> even if they don't, then they're just trying for market saturation. Like, it, IPAs are an easy style to make. Like, if you have five IPAs on your menu board, it tells me that you're probably not a very good brewer. Um, if you go to a bar, and uh, you've, you've probably talked about this before, but yeah, if you go to a bar and you drink Sierra Nevada and it tastes bad, don't drink their tap beers. Mm-hmm. Um Drink more brown ales. Why? Because they don't get enough love. They're, they're redheaded. <laughs> feel bad out. for the brown. Yeah, I do. <laughs> like, sometimes they're really boring, but sometimes they're really great. And I've like, had probably one that, I, that is memorable to me. Uh, was it Newcastle? No, it was. Well, I've had good. Newcastle. Yeah, Newcastle is uh, not great. Not memorable. No, it was Zion Brewing in Bellingham, Washington. Oh, sure. Okay. They had a good one. I remember that one. But other than that, yeah, brown ale's not yeah, well, on it's, top of my list. It, it, the only beer of British descent that seems to have any kind of power within American uh, brewing industry current is the IPA. Yeah. Um, I mean, stouts, 
are so far removed from their British origin that the only stouts you really see are either going to be Irish stouts or Imperial as hell. Um, you don't really ever see any brown ales. You don't see mild ales. You don't see uh, a lot of Scotch ales. You don't see like there's just a lot of stuff from the British tradition that I feel would be cool to see in American brewing that we don't. So is there a specific brand that you would recommend people going out there and trying outside of Sierra Nevada? Because obviously... Uh, a specific brand in general or a specific brand for brown ales? No, in general. In like general? What do you think that people um, need to try? Maybe not isn't enough love. Beer that is made close to you is always going to be freshest. So if your local brewery doesn't suck, which is a big if for a lot of people, um, go there. Okay. Um, otherwise, I mean, I, I like Sierra Nevada because it's available everywhere in the country. Literally. Right. Um, they have breweries literally on either coast, so no matter where you are, you should be able to get fresh Sierra Nevada. Um, and it's a beer that changed the world. Like, it's, it's, it's an absolutely perfect beverage. Save and, the industry, right? Did you say that? I, you know, I think saving the industry is, is uh, uh, something that I have uh, uh, less evidence to argue for, although they certainly contributed to that. But beer that changed the planet, absolutely. Yeah. Excellent, man. Well, thank you so much for being on this episode. You've thank you given for having us me. So much information. Obviously, know way more about beer than any of us do. And I would love to do this again sometime if you'd be willing to. We'll see what we can pull up. Awesome, man. Do I appreciate, it, bro? So that was our uh, our beverage breakdown of. Uh, Apple AF, um, delicious, hard, refreshing cider. Um, but the story of, of today um, is the underwater welder. Um, and JR, uh, let's head into story time, man. Tell us about it. Yeah, so it's written by uh, Jeff Lemire, who is a Canadian uh, writer from Essex, if I was right on that, Essex County, where he actually does a lot of cartooning for the newspaper there. And um, he's actually done a lot of uh, Marvel books as well as dc books um probably one of his that i've seen him on is probably moon knight he did moon knight and he did old man logan so he's, he's a yeah. legit writer um his art is very stylistic um in fact you know his eyes are wide and uh but it's very comic book they call him a cartoonist and i could see why it's more of a cartoonist than a you know a comic book artist yeah um but the book was published in 2012 of August, uh, it's published by a imprint of IDW Publishing, which is the top shelf publications. Um, I think they acquired them at some point uh, along the way, IDW. And so it's um, it's kind of a, an independent graphic novel. It's not really like a comic book, right? There's, they didn't have individual comics or anything like that. It came out as a book, kind of like... Um, uh, you know, like that ma magicians or something like that, you know, that came out as a graphic novel. Um, so that's basically the info of the book. And uh, I got a little synopsis here. This story follows Jack Joseph, a scuba diver who works on the oil rig, on an oil rig, repairing it. And this story explores the pressure of fatherhood and the relationships uh, that Jack will encounter. On a dive, Jack goes underwater and experiences some kind of, of a phenomenon. This reminds Jack of his father, who gave him a hand, kind of a watch, you know, a hand watch, a pocket watch, uh, before he died on Halloween. Uh, Jack gets so focused on this event that he starts to forget about his wife and the upcoming child they're about to have. Aching at his soul, Jack goes back down underwater and ends up in an alternate reality where his small town, small seaside town named Tiggs, 
Bay in Nova Scotia is a ghost town. And so that's kind of my synopsis and general understanding of the book. And yeah, it was um, it was a great read for me. Yeah, so man. It was fun. I think that pretty much sums I feel like, up. The I feel like this story. is a this is a weird one for you guys. It is so a I'm, weird I'm one. looking I'm looking forward to. I honestly I kind of feel like this whole Hop Heroes episode is like a little sad because <laughs> yeah. like to me this book is like sad and then like we got Kobe passing and that was just sad and there's no way to like dive into this this book without it getting real like shit's about to get real so like I just need the listeners to fucking strap in we're about to have a <laughs> This Is Us edition of Hop Heroes bring your tissue. Bring your freaking feels because I just there's no other way to get around it. But go ahead. Yeah, let's let's all cry together on this one. Um, <laughs> yeah, Zach brought this one to our attention. He wanted to get it, uh, get us to put it on an episode because it was something that he really enjoyed, and uh, I'm really glad because it was it's a really quick read. First off, I mean it's I don't even know how many pages, but uh, I read it in less less than an hour. Um, and it's, uh, definitely, it's, it's kind of in the prequel or the little preface, it talks about how it's like an episode of twilight zone that never aired. And that's Mm -hmm. exactly the vibe that I got. And, and there is a kind of a couple similarities to some twilight zones episodes that I remember, but it's basically like JR said, a guy who has all these, um, this troubled, uh, upbringing from his father, his relationship with his father and, uh, and diving and the correlation between the two. And then experiences this this phenomena under the water that kind of opens his eyes to what he should be really searching for so zach what what was your reasoning for um like why do you love this book why, why'd you bring this to to surface well a couple reasons but first first and foremost one of the main reasons is do you do you know that have you guys done any research into like what this book is going to become yep I was saving that, man. I was saving that for the end. Of course I have. Yeah, dude. So, I mean, we're there. So, uh, (laughs) this is um, being developed right now as a screenplay by uh, The Gauze, Ryan Gosling, Jordan's fucking man crush himself. Uh, So, happy birthday, Jordan. Thank you, man. Um, Coming from you. I can't believe it. Yeah. I thought you would have buried this book in the backyard. And, and the other thing, the reason why I brought it up is because I felt like it was a very impactful book. I think that it unpacks a lot of, like, really real um, tropes in an interesting way. Um, and I, I've never read anything like this before. And, and so I just feel like it was, first of all, I wanted to get you guys' take. And then I also wanted to try to try to unpack those things that I saw in this story. Um, and this was actually, this book was, uh, recommended to me by my cousin, Matt. My cousin was like, bro, you need to read this. And then I read it and I just like fell in love with it. So, um, yeah, that's, that's why, that's why I brought it up. Change of pace too, which I feel like is always good. Definitely a change of pace. No superpowers in this book. This is all real. And and like Zach said, yeah, it it hits the feels and it hits, it hits some similar tropes, but it it definitely has a unique twist on it. And, um, at, at some point makes you look in the mirror a little bit. And um, I don't think that there's a whole lot more to the story than what we've already said. I mean, essentially, uh, his his the Jack his dad was a diver, um, and his dad is also an alcoholic, and uh, his parents' relationship was not healthy. Um, he wasn't really aware of what was going on as a kid. He more so um, looked up to his dad and really really cherished the time they did have together. But his mom was was not a big fan of how. Um, his dad was drinking around him and taking him to these dangerous places and diving and leaving his kid unattended or 
what have you. And, and so it has all these flashbacks to how Jack saw as a kid, but what was really happening too. And then Jack now has a wife and a kid on the way of his own and um, is having these this this pole, this drag to the bottom of the ocean, and he doesn't know why. And he pursues it um, despite his his wife's uh, efforts to stop him. And when he finds what's down there, it's it's the watch, right? It's the pocket watch um, that his dad yep. gave him. And it, it yep. tra- transports him to this time of the town of Empty, and he's the only one there. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, I think that we're going to spend a lot of time um, on the Beneath the Ink here because I think that there's some depth that we want to dive into. But um, is there anything else, JR, about the story? I mean, obviously he comes he comes out of it. Um, gets saved by his his fellow rescue team and his uh comes to his wife's uh post labor and, and he he has a baby boy waiting for him and hence has the pocket watch to give to his son just like uh, his dad did to him so i mean that kind of that kind of rounds it up just on the surface but yeah is there any other uh like storyline points jr that you think we should touch on before we we dive deeper uh so it was definitely you know there's a lot of little um just from like an artist standpoint the way he just put things together you know what i mean he actually used looked like what the uh ink wash which is not an, a paint it's just a it's watered down ink and you can you know smooth it over so he was able to kind of develop this like very very plain story through the through the art because i felt like the even though there wasn't a lot of words there's a lot of pages where you're just looking at pictures you got a lot out mm-hmm. of that you know out of those things mm-hmm. and what's cool uh, too about the art real quick is that yeah, yeah. It's not um, complicated. Nope. There's like not a lot. There's It's not color. It's not like, I mean, it's probably digitized, but it doesn't look like CGI style art where, you know, you're trying to make it ultra realistic. Like it looks like, it looks fairly simple. And, and mm-hmm. this was a New York Times bestseller. So it was, yeah. there's a reason why this is so successful. And like on the surface, I think that it can be, oh, like this is just a simple book, especially by the art, but I, I don't know. I think there's a lot more there, and I think the, the the decision to make the art very simple and straightforward lends to 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 that that depth below the surface. Yeah, if yeah. you were to just grab this book like off the shelf and like skim it, you know, like and try to just kind of do like a quick, you know, look through it, you'd be like, uh, you know, this isn't really, you know, it's in black and white most of it. You know, it's actually a grayscale. Um, like I said, it's an uh, ink wash. So it'd be really hard to kind of judge this. Like you really have to like open this book and start reading it to kind of get the value of the art since it's kind mm-hmm. of that mix. Since it's one, it's Jeff Lemire's writing it and uh, doing the art at the same time. And so right. I think the, that makes a, a really good point, what you're saying about how, you know, the the art really does complement the writing and, and it allows the the Jeff to kind of get his point across without having to, to have those distractions, you know, of a big, big mm-hmm. composition of, you know, like 50 characters coming at you or, you know, a, a really detailed city in the background, you know, the, the focus right. was Jack the whole time and kind of back to mm-hmm. Jordan's question about any more points on, on the story. This, this really is almost for me, I felt like it was almost a little bit egotistical about a story about a guy. Cause he's literally talking about himself the whole time you know what i mean and so mm. you really get to focus like everything is a hundred percent on him from the beginning to the end you know what i mean like there's mm-hmm. no um there's no third person party talking about jack it's jack about talking about everybody else and yeah. mm. um which is a very very good um 
if you want you know understand that book and kind of the feelings of maybe what Jeff Lemire was going through at that time when he wrote this book I know it took him a very long time to write this right I know he mentioned it many times um, how it he took him quite a while which is you know it's very to write a book like this I could you know um, people will take a look at it and took a look at the art and took a look like the writing it's not like it's like a long ass book but it's like it took him a very long time so he could tell you how important that was to him and making this book perfect um, but that's, mm -hmm. that's you know there's there's it's it's a great story I mean it's you know you've got a character trying to um, understand himself and understand the situations he's become like he's about to be in and then is he ready for that situation and and after you know he he realizes the town that he's in that it's gone that he's alone you know mm. you know he kind of moves on to he like all of a sudden he has that determination this is towards the end right he has that determination of getting back to where he mm -hmm. needs to be which is where his wife is and that's how they find him the because he actually comes out of it himself and it's like time to wake up jack mm -hmm. he wakes up yep and he makes a decision to, to to get back in the water right because he tried to run away from it in his car trying to leave the town right he's like i'm done with this yep. i'm leaving i'm leaving this town i'm leaving this behind me and he the town wouldn't let him it kept bringing him back to the sign yeah. you know and so i think after a while after he realized kind of what his dad was right he wasn't exact he just remembers the good things about his dad before he went underwater and then as he in this alternate reality kind of he starts to realize some of the things his his, his dad did was oh he saw him at a bar drinking forgot about halloween you know or forgot to pick him up from hockey practice you know and he starts to start really realizing kind of what his dad was and kind of things that maybe he didn't want to be so um it, it's a very short story but it's a very good story and that's you know that's pretty much it yeah and and i think just touching on uh the art you know the way that it captured the the story and the feel like zach having just seen uh the lighthouse did you get any similarities to that um i did actually yeah because i felt that like it's black and white there's no color it's just very simple very focused on the protagonist and like jr was saying from his point of view the entire time and it's it's not as bizarre i mean it's pretty bizarre but lighthouse gets really bizarre at certain points but it, mm -hmm. it, it's very low to the ground um you know simplistic and i almost like like cartoony but loose with like the the art right. and yeah. um yeah, I think that it was it perfectly encapsulated what what Jeff was trying to to accomplish there. Um, Z, any 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 story points you want to touch on before we take the dive? I'm ready to dive, bro. All right, baby. Well, let's take it to the favorite segment, man. Let's go beneath the ink, bro. What you got for us? It's been a while. All right. So let me let me start here. I I've this has actually been a hard episode for me to to prepare for because I've been like really like going back and forth and trying to consider like how how deep of a dive do i really want to make this um so i've decided i landed on on, on this i don't want to get too personal but i do want to say that i lost my dad and it was um unexpected and kind of very sudden and i want to also kind of couple that with the notion that and i know i've brought this up before on um uh hop heroes but um, Joseph Campbell, who is like a American philosopher and he studies mytho mythology and he's like just a really smart guy. And a lot of stuff is based off of his work, um, including star Wars, Lord of the Rings. I mean, he's the one that wrote here with a thousand faces. He, um, came up with the hero's journey and a lot of narrative is based off of that. Now, um, he, uh, classifies water 
in narrative, especially in fiction, as um, kind of an amalgamation of the subconscious. So, um, and then we'll, we'll get into that a little bit more later. I'll just put that out there for now. Um, when I, when my father first passed away, <clears throat> I always imagined it like this. I'm driving in a car, right? And I'm in this car and I'm going through life and every interaction I have and everything I do and everything I see, um, is happening to me through my windshield. When that happened, it seemed like, um, a big ass rock came out of nowhere and flew up and hit my windshield. And once it hit, it spidered everywhere and cracks all over my windshield. And it came to a point where I had to pull my car over because I was like, well, fuck, I can't see anything right now. All I can see are the cracks in my windshield. So I can't drive. I can't, I, I, I just have to like, what am I going to do? I'm pulled over. And then over time, what happened is the cracks didn't necessarily go away, but I just learned to look through my windshield with them anyway and, and then pull back onto the road and keep driving. In that, in that metaphor, the car, me being inside of my car, is me being locked in this subconscious type of mentality where I'm in my own head. I'm thinking about like, oh my gosh, what if something happens to me? Like, oh my gosh, what what if something happens to my family and so on and so forth and 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 down the line and 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 there's there's a separation there between my myself and my car surrounded by this metal and this glass and the world outside of me the real world the physical world like the this book and the desk and the chairs that we're sitting in that separation is key to this story because in this story, there's a separation as well, and it happens throughout multiple panels. And the separation is from between water and land. Water, remember, is is represented as the subconscious. And uh, this is just a theory, obviously. Like I'm just, you know, I just yeah, nerded out on it this. It does work. If you but, <clears throat> yeah. And and then land. And and he is, Jack, our, ma- our protagonist, is clearly, obviously comfortable in the water. That's where he wants to be. He wants to be in the water because the water is, is you're, you're in, in your car, you're pulled over, but the land is, is calling him because he has responsibilities. His wife is on the land that he has a kid coming on the land, but he doesn't really want to be there. And that, that manifests itself in a lot of panels. There's a lot of panels where his truck is facing the water and there's like a, like a clear kind of shoreline, right? And it's just like very separate. There's a storm coming in from the water and so on and so forth. So I guess from a high level, this story to me is really the story of never being able to get back on the road. It's a story of, um, first of all, it's a story of a cyclical type of behavior because his dad was... Uh, uh, an alcoholic and there's this one argument that he gets in with his mom it's a flashback and she says I can't believe you're drinking you've been drinking and and, which he had and he said I've only had one beer it's no big deal and then there's another panel down the line where he gets in that same argument with his wife his wife Jack's wife says I can't believe you've been drinking like and he's like oh it's just one it's no big deal um so cyclical in nature but really what this is at the core to me is a story of a man who um, couldn't get back on the road. And he dove into the water so deep 
and he did did so in a way where he kind of wasn't there for the real people in his life because he was stuck in his own head based on his own his own trauma and then he got to a point where he got so far into his own head that nobody else was there like everybody else disappeared he just fucking lost it and then what's interesting is that once he got to that point he had to go back into the water and to, to dive back to the real world so I guess what I'm saying, and I have a lot of shit that we can like actually break down. Like my my beneath the ink is is gonna be um, me kind of reading the things that I feel like matter, and then we can talk about it. But from a high level, this story to me is meaningful because it's it's first of all it's very real, but second of all, um, it managed to put something into like words and pictures and 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 lines that I feel like I myself went through. And I feel like a lot of people probably have gone through as well. Because there is a separation between being in your head and being in the real world. And sometimes you can get stuck there. And I think that's what the story is about. Wow, man. Um, That's, yeah. That's incredible. I think that that's a great encapsulation of the depth of the story, but also the symbolism within it. I mean... Whew, I don't know if I have much to add to that. JR, do you have anything to add to that? <laughs> no, I... Do you guys I, just want to, like, cry? Yeah. <laughs> kind of. I guess right now, man. this is, like, the worst episode to not have alcohol, <laughs> and I don't even... I don't drink, and, like, some Seriously. whiskey would be great right now. Um, <laughs> some I, whiskey yeah. would be great. Yeah, mm-hmm. I don't... You know, I don't have those kind of experiences that maybe you have, Zach. You know, I, I've always had my dad. You know, he's always been there, but even though he's, you know, he's an alcoholic when I was younger, and kind of not there but always there in person you know and always trying to give me guidance even when it was uh not great (laughs) at times you know and then you get to that point where you're like thanks dad and then you just stop listening so i mean but he's always been there he's always been um the a great dad so I, i don't have those experiences you know what i mean i don't have i was i was the pain in the ass growing up you know and and uh I deserve to get spanked. If, let me put it that way. <laughs> and so, um, it's great to hear someone's perspective. You know, it's kind of what's cool about all the things that we've been doing lately, because we get to hear different experiences, and we get to hear, and people get to hear ours, and know that, you know, that's everybody has. You know, everybody's there for each other in a way, because they've all felt similar in some kind of fashion, or have something, and it's good to to hear. You know, because I mean. I had it good, you know, it's, you don't want to hear that. <laughs> I'm like, I had it good, you know, my right. yeah, didn't have a, a lot of money in our lives. <laughs> and there was time where, you know, the electric bill didn't get paid, but my mom always made sure we had food and my dad always worked that made sure we had clothes and, um, you know, yeah. there, so it's, it's really cool to hear those things. Yeah. Yeah, man. And, and I'm, I'm from a similar boat. I mean, I, my parents divorced when I was two, but my dad was very, very present in my life and my stepdad, yeah, you, uh, just as much, if not more, and so I was, I was really blessed. Coming Tim, to him, man, the legend. <laughs> I do. Fucking Tim. Uh, it's out in his garage. Yeah. Is he out in his garage? Yeah. Like <laughs> his domain. Yeah, and I, I didn't, I didn't really, I don't really like. I'm not saying that to 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 fucking be like yo, like it shit's hard. But I felt like I, I because if you don't, if because I'm sure you guys asked like, why did Zach? want to read this like why did zach want this yeah I was and curious. i think that i had a feeling after and i reading it made, made more sense yeah but i think that i mean well i mean first of all 
this is a New York Times bestseller, so it's not like this is like an unsuccessful story. Let's right. let's just fucking let's 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 lay the lay that foundation. <laughs> but but on on top of that, I think that um, it's a New York Times bestseller because a lot of people have experienced loss, and right. and I think that you know if you this story could easily be read and and be like okay so crazy like this guy like finds this like watch and then like goes into another dimension that's wild but like <laughs> um it it becomes like if you if you surface level it like our story time i i think a listener could come away from that and be like oh that's sounds cool i guess but there's so much more and i i just didn't know how else i could explain it without you know explaining my own life so but that. um yep yeah, but so I, what I have here is I have a number of shit directly from the book that I have quoted that I'm, I want to read to you guys, and then I want to pause in between each one, and I want to just kind of get your thoughts. Like, what do you think that means? Um, how does that sit with you? Okay. All right. The waves are high and the sun sets red, so now it's time to go to bed. The tide is up and the wind does rip. But this old ship will never tip. We're far at sea, days from land. But if you're scared, just take my hand. Just hold on tight, boy o' mine. In my arms, you'll be just fine. The moon is full, the sea is deep. And we rock and rock and rock to sleep. Um, well, first, first of all, for, for <laughs> listeners, that's, that's, the, uh, that's kind of the, the, um, the poem that his dad read to him as a kid uh and it's um also how the how the story ends so it's kind of like the bookend kind of messaging and it really represents in my opinion i think it represents a relationship the guard yeah yeah i, I was gonna say i know it's like the lullaby he was dad dreamed when he went to sleep um and it's definitely a nautical themed lullaby and they're both divers or his, he was passionate about diving and his son ended up being passionate about diving and, and i think that it to me, it rings to their relationship and also their um, fascination with with the deep and and the escape that it can allow you. Um, and like Zach mm-hmm. was talking, the subconscious like that's such a great metaphor because it's it is isolation. It's silent down there, and it's just you. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that it talks about you know the waves and and the 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 sun and the moon is full and. Um, whether what whatever you're going through, it it sounds like that it's like you 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 can find solitude in me and, and solitude in the deep, and that's kind of I don't know. I guess that's what I took away from it. I I also think that that um like when you said that there's solitude down there, I think that um it's not necessarily dangerous to to dive, but it's dangerous to stay under the water. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like the longer you stay, the more dangerous it becomes. Um, and I think that the dad kind of, you know, w- well, when Jack first gets kind of whisked away into the, the alternate universe, it's because, you know, his person's like, come up, come up, you got to come up. And, and, you know, the guy that's on the radio mm-hmm. and he just starts ignoring that, you know, it's like this notion of like, come back, come back, come back. You have to come back to, to, to this world. Um, so I think that's like another motif in this. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah. It's uh, it's definitely for me. It definitely hits on the spot of kind of a I'll always be there for you. You know, there's things that are constant. You know, in lives like the moon and the water and all that. And close your eyes and your pops will be there. Or you know, hold your hand out, the wind will brush it or something. That'll 
that's me touching you. So, you know, it kind of resonates in that kind of form for me. Um, mm-hmm. It's it's definitely I love it when comic book writers put poems in there because it's not an easy thing to do. You know, when you try to put a poem in there or you try to, you know, like Lord of the Rings when they're trying, you know, all that stuff when they try to put all the poems in those books. And it's like a deeper meaning into these things that you're you're trying to understand a book and you're trying to understand what the writer's saying in poems and poems can be subjective at times, you know, so you could totally miss. Oh, for sure. Um, uh, absolutely. The, yeah. And miss the, uh, the, you know, goal of the story. But if you put everything together from the beginning to the middle to the end, and then you, you read the poem to me, you, you get this, this feeling of, Hey buddy, it's, I know it was tough. I know things weren't great, but you're going to be better than me at this. And I'm going to help you there. Just remember the things that that can that can make you go forward, and that's kind of what that poem means to me, and which is a great, mm-hmm. which is a great poem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Um. So the next this next one is is a little bit long. I have to get my my monologue my monologue on. Um. But I think it's gonna be worth it. Um. One thing to note is that so when Jack gets into the alternate universe, he uh he he essentially uses that time to ex- he re-examines his own childhood. He he kind of finds his himself as a child and he is able to take a third person view of certain key things that happened to him growing up. And um he in this in this uh, uh bit he is talking to a kid at a certain point and just just for listeners to know the kid he's talking to is himself as a kid. <clears throat> About to win an Oscar for this. Or a Grammy, actually. This is an audio medium. Fucking Grammy coming my way. All right. <clears throat> oh, God. <laughs> I remember when I was a little kid. This was back when my mom and dad were still together. When I was really little. I was standing on the docks with my dad one day, looking out at the ocean, and he told me the world was round. But I didn't really understand. I thought he meant it was a big ball of water held together by clouds. I mean, water all the way through. Anyway... After he disappeared, I daydream about running away to look for him. Except I wouldn't actually run away in these dreams. I'd swim away. I'd dive down and just keep going. Deeper and deeper. Further down than anyone had ever dived before. I figured eventually I'd end up swimming right through to the other side of the world. The part that was always weird to me was that after a while, you wouldn't be swimming down anymore. You'd actually be swimming up. I thought maybe he really had run away from Tiggs Bay. Gone to find all those sunken galleons. I thought if I just kept swimming, I'd eventually surface, and there he'd be, just sitting on the beach waiting. And he'd always say the same thing. Jackie, what took you so long? I've been waiting for you. I have to admit, the first time I saw the bottom of the ocean, I was disappointed. And I never did run away. I never went looking for him, and of course, he never came back for me. Truth is, I barely remember his face. But if I try really hard, if I close my eyes and concentrate... I can still see it, that crisscross of lines around his eyes, the way his Adam's apple bulged out of his collar, the way his big ears used to stick out. But that's all he is to me now. Details. Details that don't add up to a man anymore. All right. So let's unpack that one. Um, (laughs) So my my first thoughts, uh, I, I guess... Initially, when he's talking about diving um, to find his father, it's almost like 
it's like his father's gone and he's he's escaping. He's he's diving deep into his self or he's diving deep, deep into deep, isolation. Deeper, deeper, yeah. Deeper, deeper and in his in his mind he justifies it by saying if he keeps going, he'll eventually surface. Like it's almost like I won't have to pull myself out of this because if I keep going the way I'm going, eventually it'll just happen. Um, and then he reaches mm. the, the ocean floor and realizes... Like, it's like, that's the answer to his problem, actually. Right. It's like, it's cool. Like, because at first it's like diving down deeper and deeper. Even he knows that's probably not good. That's probably not the best. But like, he just, he has a justification because he's saying, but if I dive far enough, I'll eventually be diving up. Right. And I'll surface. Like, that's my answer. Oh, Eureka. I don't ever have to drive again. In fact, I should get in the trunk of this fucking bitch. Like, that, <laughs> exactly. that type of mentality. Yeah, yeah. And and then that's spoiled when he reaches the the bottom of the uh, ocean floor and realizes that he can't keep going. And he, he has to come up eventually. Um, and then after that, I mean, mm. he's, he's trying to analyze or trying to remember uh, what his father looks like. And I guess that's just... I don't know that that part loses me. I, I don't. I don't know if that's on the same on the same thought process of of the diving away from your problems, or if that's something totally different. And they're both kind of combined in that same thought. Um, so that I think I think it's about memory, because I feel like ultimately your memory exists in your own subconscious, and when you lose somebody, that person does live in your subconscious through memory. And so you can replay scenes in your mind over and over again or memories that you have with a person and you can just keep running those back, back and back and back and back and back. And maybe if you keep doing it, then you'll you'll feel like that person is alive again. Maybe if you keep diving, then you'll surface again. But what happens is that over time, the memories start to kind of change a little bit. They start to alter and then they become the lines become fainter and then it becomes more of just details. Yeah. Sorry. And I, no, you're fine. I'm and sorry. I'm kind of, you know, I'm kind of with uh, nope. Zach on that too. A little bit. What I th- I feel like it, it's it's kind of he kind of what I was saying a little bit. He kind of remembers dad in a certain way. And a lot of times when people right. remember things, they remember almost all, um and le- particularly with a tragedy, you only want to remember the good things. You know, this it's kind of weird that we're talking about this because of today but there is a tragedy in this book and he only remembers the good things about his dad and i think throughout Mm. the story he starts to remember the bad things about his dad too and he starts to realize yeah well he starts to see them from a third person view i mean that's what happens when he goes to the alternate reality is that he's kind of refaced with like oh like wait that's not how i remembered it but that that it's different, right? Exactly. Like the fact that he threw that watch back. He, he couldn't remember where the watch was. He's asking his mom. He goes back to her, this house. Hey, mom, I'm, I'm here not to see you, but I'm here to see that something my dad gave me that I thought was an amazing gift. And the fact that he was so honored to have it. But then realizing as he goes through the town, hey, I actually threw that, he threw that in the water because his dad disappointed mm-hmm. him again. You know, forgot about mm-hmm. him again. And he's like, I didn't want that watch anyways. And then he's kind of reevaluating himself is it my dad's fault that he's gone you know is it is it me that did that and then i think mm-hmm. later on it's it's as he remembers it, it's not me it was my dad it was those things you know it's he wasn't the things that i i want to be you know what i mean so i i that's kind of for me that portion is he has that realization is i love you but that's not what i want to be as a dad and i think that's for me what that meant i like mm. it i like it mm. Take us there. All right, let's 
Let's uh, let's continue to dive, boys, deeper and deeper. Is that <clears> what we should <throat> be doing? I, let me get my goggles. Yeah, dude, totally. Yeah, totally. That that's what you're supposed to do. Uh, okay. I've always been good at putting two things back. Well, let me before I start. This is Jack speaking about himself in a monologue. I've always been good at putting two things back together. It's easy. You just take two pieces of metal, pipe or rigging, and apply a tungsten electrode as a shielding gas, and like magic, they stick together. You need to ignore the fact that you're deep under the water, under all that pressure. Just zero in on the weld itself. Let everything else fade away into the background. It's all about control. So with that, I think that... He appreciates the simplicity, even though it's not really a simple process, but the simplicity of underwater welding because he can do it in his in his place of isolation, and it's just like A equals B. It's this step, this step, this step, and you have a solution. There's no complication to it. It's a simple process-driven act, and it's in his area of solitude, and, and, and the problems that he can't handle are how, how does he emotionally connect with his wife who's going through uh, a pregnancy? How does he... Um, like? save his marriage how is he going to be a father when he never really had one like those are problems that he doesn't really have answers to um, those are problems on the land right those are problems this is happening under the water and this is where he's comfortable uncomfortable exactly and so the problems that he likes to fix are problems that are in his safe zone and he has the answers to um and and the problems that life is supplying with he he doesn't know how to handle i don't know yeah. jr uh, all right, so I kind of have – I feel like this is – every time he, he went underwater, it was a way to obviously escape, but also it was a way to him to act ignorant as well. Like, I don't know about that. I could, you know, I know I know how to do this, and it's kind of like sometimes when guys give their significant others some advice, and it's like everything's going to be okay. I promise. You know what I mean? Well, how many times <laughs> do we say, hey, it's going to be fine. I promise. Like, that's a guy's mantra for his significant other, and I feel right. like – him saying I, i'm good at putting two things together that's to me him saying everything's going to be fine i have no idea about anything outside of what's going on but i know that i i'm that 100 percent understand that things are going to be good because he's always been able yeah. to put these two things together and i i feel yeah. a lot of time men myself included play the ignorant card and say like oh it's, it's going to be great don't worry you know what i mean i i'm i got fired today Ah, it's, it'll be fine. I'll just go buy another statue or something. It'll be great. I'll, I'll work it out or <laughs> go something. Go buy another statue. <laughs> <laughs> and, <laughs> and I think we, we put the – and women think differently. I was always um, – I, I don't know. I may have said this before, but I was taught that men, um, if you compared like their minds – to men and women to food, men have a mind of a, like a waffle. And each individual little hole in a waffle is – that's how we put our brains is compartmentalized. Like we'll put the, the stress part over here. We'll put the fun part over here. You know, we'll put the, the part I don't want to deal with back there. And a women's um, is more like spaghetti. It's all in one bowl and it's mixed together. And um, I feel like in this book, it kind of shows you how a man thinks. And that's like, we're going to, I know that I could do this exactly the same way every single time. And the exact same outcome is going to happen. I don't care about anything else, but that, and I feel like that is mm-hmm. that portion of that book for me. Yeah, as uh, he's like, as long as I have this tungsten electrode <clears throat> and this shielding glass and these two pieces of metal, that shit's going to weld together. And I know that as a fact yep. because it's all about control. And the thing exactly. is, is that this is happening underwater, which is 
you know, in this hypothesis, which is still just one big long hypothesis, uh, that's his own self. That's his own subconscious, which he has control over. Ultimately, right. I mean, if you if you have a thought. And you're like, all right, I'm thinking about pizza. And then you say, oh, shit, I'm on a diet. I'm not supposed to think about pizza. You have the ability to fucking think about a piece of broccoli. Like, right. <laughs> like it's possible for you to do that. You can literally change the image in your mind. You have control there. And I think that where you don't have control is on the land in right. this metaphor. Because out there, there's so many extenuating circumstances. There's so many things going on that that you have no control over. And so... He's happy to be underwater where he can fit these two pieces of metal together because that's where he's in control. Yep. Are you guys right. are you guys trying to start a restaurant called JR Spaghetti and Waffles? Oh, that, that sounds good. <laughs> that sounds so good. Metaphor and, it's just a great JR combo. Spaghetti and Waffles. <laughs> Yo, I'm down. Spaghetti that's and Waffles not, and Macaroni and Chocolate. Let's just yeah, let's it, bring it all that together. Actually, <laughs> that metaphor is actually <laughs> in a book about chocolate. relationships, by the way. It's not like that was made up. It's actually in a book about no, no, no. That was made up by Hop Heroes. Trademarked yeah. Hop Heroes. <laughs> um, okay. Patented. We'll verify yeah. that. We'll make double check. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, I got one more. I got one more for you for this for this deep dive, boys. Um, so this is the uh, this is kind of the outro. This is basically how the, this is basically his final thoughts as as the book is ending. My name is Jack Joseph, and I'm 33 years old. The same age my father was when he. When he went looking for something he couldn't find. Oh, when he, it's a dot, dot, dot. When he, when he, when he went looking for something he couldn't find. Was it my fault? I don't know. Maybe he wanted to leave. Maybe he wanted to die. Susie was right. It doesn't matter anymore. In the end, knowing the truth isn't going to bring him back. And now I'm the one who's missing. Sorry, kid. This is him talking to his, his younger self. But the truth is I started disappearing a long time ago. He's gone. But maybe it's not too late for me. Maybe I can still change things. Maybe I don't have to become a ghost too. My name is Jack Joseph, and I was an underwater welder. I had, have, a wife, and I have a child on the way. A boy. I'm so far away from them now. But if I try really hard, if I block out all the, all the rain and all the noise, I can see them. I wasted so much time looking back that I haven't let myself look forward. I can see a whole life waiting for me. It stretches out as far as I can see. I can see Susie. I can see you, my boy. And even though I'm alone now, lost in this place between places, this ghost town, I know there's hope. So I'm going to dive, and I'll keep diving, until I find my way back to you. All right, some uplifting messages. I like that. Um, <laughs> so this is interesting because this was honestly more so of my takeaway, uh, this kind of part of the monologue and at least how it hit me from the whole story. And what I thought of it was was kind of more so somebody searching for something that they think they need when they have everything they need already. And that was it was very similar to kind of Yennefer in The Witcher, right, where she she didn't necessarily have everything she needed, but she had more when, before she went on this ultimate search for power. And uh -huh. I, I I thought, since I didn't have a personal connection to the situation that Jack was facing, that's more so what I thought. I thought that he was looking for something and searching for his father, searching for his father to avoid the, the struggle that he was facing in his relationship, when in reality, if he just would have stopped searching and it would have focused on his relationship, he would have realized he had everything he needed. And, 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 and I think his mother is a big part of that too, right? He, he really didn't 
give the mother, his mother, the care and attention that she gave him and how much she loved him. And he kind of like, he went there just to find the watch that his dad gave him. Yeah. Um, he almost and, blamed mm-hmm. his mother too about her dad. Like I felt yeah. like he was blaming his mom in there. His, his mom was trying to protect him from him and she, and he thought that he was trying, she was trying to keep him from yeah. him. Um, and so like th- that, I guess that monologue is, it's, it's kind of his realization that he's been searching for something that he's already had the entire time is kind of my takeaway. Yeah. Mm. I do. I love. I, I, there, go ahead. I'll, I'll go say, ahead. There's two things that really popped out to me is the the words that he used was was and have. Like I was an underwater yeah. welder and I have a wife. I have a child. Kind of like that was that's what hit me like, yeah. big time. The way it's written, too, is it's it's written. I had dot yeah. dot dot have a wife like he changed it. In the in the text himself, it sense. Yeah. like it's almost like the realization happened right there in real time as you read it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's cool. So, mm-hmm. and that's that's kind of kind of what Jordan same thing. It, it's like okay, it's it's time to grow up. You know, I blamed the wrong people. I've put myself, and now I've put my family in this situation. I need to resurface. I guess is what I should say because he's underwater. He needs to resurface and quit drowning and bring his life together and. Um, Chose. Come back to come back to land. Exactly. You know, you you've had your you know, you've done things as an adult, but you haven't made decisions as an adult. And now he is. Mm-hmm. Right? He's no longer chasing the the, yeah. the fake treasure that his dad was telling, Hey, we're gonna find that treasure and now he's realized I have my treasure. It's my wife, it's my children, it my child coming, it's my mother, it's the people that have always been there for me and his dad to me was that treasure, you know, that sunken treasure that he's been looking for and looking for and looking for and he realized it's it's not that's not where the treasure's at it's it's on land and that's why i loved when i heard i loved it when i heard was and have because that's that's a big mm-hmm. difference words are a big a big deal like it's like i if you say i can't then obviously you know or i try you're not really doing it if you say i will or it will happen then then your mind changes in that direction of getting it done and it's much easier to concentrate when you say those words instead of i can't like i try or i'll give it a go or you know what i mean that's that's what that right. meant to me in those in that passage the the standout to me in this passage is um the truth is i started disappearing a long time ago he's gone but maybe it's not too late for me maybe i can still change things maybe i don't have to become a ghost too because I think that what what happens in this story is that this guy goes through a trauma, clearly. Um, he's very, you know, broken by this. And then he starts to kind of slow... Because it's not an all-of-the-sudden type of like, oh, uh, I found this magic thing and now I'm gone. Poof. Although it does seem like that way on the surface. But right. it's it's a slow... Like, you slowly start to withdraw from from reality you slowly start to just kind of pull yourself out of what's happening and kind of just spend more and more time in the water and so this is like his realization the truth is i started disappearing a long time ago you know like like that's a huge realization like damn i i stopped paying attention to my wife fucking months ago you know what i'm saying like i haven't even been to one pregnancy class you know what i mean like what have i been doing this entire time like that's like a very real that's a very real uh thing and his his notion of maybe I don't have to become a ghost too, like you know, in, in the cyclical nature of the story, when the father is an alcoholic and then he kind of becomes an alcoholic, the father dies, and then like the next thing is like, all right, word, so that's it's it's me then, like I, I'm next, 
Right. But, you know, the realization of, oh, shit, like, I, I don't have to do that. That's not what I have to do. I can come back to the land. I can plug back in with my wife and I can get back on the road. I think that that's, that's a life-saving type of realization. And he makes it at the end. And then, you know, the very end, and I'll keep diving until I find my way back to you. It's like, it goes back to this notion of like diving and dive until you find your way up. Because you can't just snap your fingers when you're that deep into your own mind and then come back. You literally have to walk the same steps forward that you walked backwards Mm -hmm. to get there. And so that's, that's, that's how I see this. Yeah. All right. Let me put a cap on, let me put a cap on it. So I've had a weird fucking weekend, dude. Uh, it's been super emotional and, and just like, I've been like deep diving some heavy shit. But um, I, I watched this uh, and this was just like serendipity. I watched this thing on YouTube the, earlier this weekend. It's, it was a, what's called a, it was like an actor's round table where essentially they have a bunch of actors sitting on this table and then one guy interviewing them for an hour. And at this table, there was Tom Hanks, Robert De Niro, Jamie Foxx, um Shia LaBeouf and Adam Driver and then this uh one dude interviewing them and uh Shia LaBeouf uh, they asked him about Honey Boy Shia LaBeouf wrote this movie about his father Honey Boy Mm -hmm. and played his father in the movie and I haven't seen it yet but I hear it's like really I heard it's super good yeah I hear it's really good but I hear it's also very like raw he's obviously been through a lot of shit and he wrote this while he was in an, an insane asylum by the way so dude is struggling. But anyway, um, he he has this quote that I wrote down. And he, the, essentially the question is, um, did this did this process change your, your view of your father in any way, like filming the movie and so on and so forth? And his quote was, uh, if you can empathize with the biggest villain in your life and scrape some of those shadows, it makes you lighter and freer. And so I feel like this story ultimately is about just that it's about empathy it's about empathizing with this dude who has hurt you and he you have so much like questions and you just you're not sure and so on and so forth like the one thing that he does while he's by himself in that deep dive and that twilight zone wherever is he starts to revisit and relive his own life and he starts to see things about his dad that he doesn't he didn't see before and what that creates is a sense of empathy like he starts to realize like oh shit like my dad was struggling with the same shit i struggle with he was just a human that's wild and then he's able to to surface again with that knowledge and so and in the meantime and this is what's really fucking weird is that as we do that we are able to empathize with with jack so we watch Jack empathize with his father and then us as an audience start to empathize with the protagonist about why he's acting the way he's acting. So it's um fucking genius and it's like this like double fucking this this double thing happening but ultimately it's just about understanding other people's shoes and and, and coming away lighter and freer. That's what I'd say. Whew. Yes, <laughs> I like that. All right. Empathy. You I, guys should have let me uh, request another Hop Heroes episode. No, I like it. Because this is the Change shit you're going to get, motherfucker. We got to dive deep in my episodes beneath <laughs> right. the ink for a whole hour. The whole motherfucking thing. <laughs> All right, let's, uh, let's gather at the surface here. Um, great, Nathan, Zach. That was beautiful. Thank you for that. Um, well, let's let's go into Crafter Trash and let's close this baby out. So um, I'll start Crafter Trash. Um, I start, I initially gave it a seven. Um, 
and the reason I had a seven was I thought that it was uh, a unique t- a unique take on on common tropes. Um, uh, you know, uh, alcoholic father, absentee father, forced loss, um, and struggling at home and avoiding avoiding conflict by searching for something else. And um, I thought it was definitely well done. Um, the artwork was well representative of the of the character and the, and the vibe. Um, I'm personally I'm always gonna want color over black and white, but um, I get the idea for it and I get the reasoning for it. Um, but I did. I definitely missed a lot of the the depth here, and and I knew I was going to, and that's why I was excited about this episode to record it and, and talk to you guys and hear you guys' input because I knew that my simple takes were were just scratching the tip of the iceberg. There was going to be so much more, and and so after hearing everything, I would like to at least raise it to an eight um, because I think that it's got just so much more legs than than I than I uh, had realized, um, and I think that. People need to listen to this if, uh, before or after they read it because I think that maybe people will pull everything that Zach pulled. Maybe people will pull everything JR pulled. But I think that uh, this is a book that you want to read and discuss, not just a book you want to read and close and go to the next one because I think that there's more, I agree. There's more to it yep. than you might I agree. initially grab. Yeah. Uh, JR? So I'm going to give it an eight. I, uh, I thought about this the whole time I was reading it and – for me, if, you're almost taking a risk when you do something like this because it's almost um, it, like I said, the art is not something you're gonna be like wowed about. So you have, you know, if you're gonna skim through it at a bookstore, you're really not doing a good justice. So you're taking that risk of someone not trying to go into that next level of thinking, almost, you know, which most of us. It's have. easy to pick it up and be like, oh, now I'm next, put it, it back on the exactly. shelf. Exactly. Yeah. We're so used to having our phones in our hand and things looking so vibrant, you know, 4K UD. You know, I think the next episode we're going to do is The Expanse, and that's exactly what it is throughout the whole show. You know, it's such a vibrant thing, and I think people miss a lot nice of – Nice fucking teaser, bro. Jesus, I know, you're good, pro. Right? I'm getting better at social media. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm doing it. Yeah, dog. <laughs> um, but I, I, I feel like an eight is, is very good because I feel like – I'm not sure if this is exactly if this is a Jeff uh, Lemire's type, like is this personal or not, but it felt personal to me. Um, it felt like he was, it was almost like a fiction book, you know, or a, a history book as you will. Like, you know, I'm reading about, you know, I'm actually right now I'm reading a book about HH H. Holmes and the city of uh, Chicago during the world fair. And it's actually a, a very true book. And I feel like this book feels true to me, you know, like it's an actual f- fact-faced book i have no idea i couldn't find anything about him talking about it or anything deep into that notion but i feel like he put him i would have a hard time believing that this wasn't something right. very it's close really to really own, yeah, really experience. has to hit home and it really has to be something that he put together from the heart and it's like like he is jack right i mean the fact that he has a wife and a son now uh, and you know what i mean it's very similar into that aspect so that's why i wanted to give it an eight um because it just it was such a personal personal book to read and it really it really takes you to another uh side of your brain if you will another door for us guys you know I'm kind of interested in mm-hmm. what a what a uh, a lady would you know take into this and what she would feel cuz obviously for us it it opened up another door for us in our minds so another waffle square <laughs> if you will <laughs> <laughs> so um yeah that's why i give it an 8 it's a good it's a good book all right z take us home um so before before i go into mine i just want to 
kind of revisit like the world stage here. This book, even though the art in it is not impressive, even though we can all agree that if you didn't already know it, you would probably put it back down because it just doesn't seem, it seems weird. Mm -hmm. It's about an underwater welder. Why would you care? This is uh, a smash hit, New York Times bestseller, and is being already adapted into a film, which we will absolutely surely fucking watch in the review, by the gauze himself. There's a lot of money going into telling this story in different in different ways. Um, and so I find that surprising. I, I, I didn't even hear about this. This was given to me. Maybe it was all word of mouth. But this is resonating with people somehow, some way. Um... And I, I, my beneath the ink is just my personal opinion. I mean, fucking, I could be wrong. You could, I mean, the beauty of art is that people can take different things away from it. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that's just what I took. If you have te- other takes, we would love to hear them. Well, yeah, yeah, for sure. hundred um, percent. But obviously this book spoke to me personally. Uh, and in a way that I feel like not a lot of other stories talking about loss have, because it seems to me that um, this hit on a lot of things that I even have a hard time explaining to people um about my own personal experiences so um it's it's just it's just a a special book man so it's i this book is one is one of the reasons why i signed up to do this and i still do this every week and and i and i continue to be excited every week to do this with you guys because art and and storytelling like this that make you feel something i feel like is not um it's probably one of the most important things we can do as humans um and so i believe in this and and this is why i write and this is why i think the way i do and this is why i am who i am it's it's for moments like this um and stories like this that are able to move not just myself but um obviously all the people that are on the that su- supply the new york times best-selling number and all the people that'll read this movie and everything else so um it's kind of beyond a rating to me if i had to rate it i'll give it a 10 uh just oh, because nice. that's what i feel but um you know it supersedes this rating system. This is why I do what I do. So, uh, yeah. God damn, bro. Say some of that heart. Keep it beating so you can keep living on after today. You're pouring it all out <laughs> on the table. <laughs> Holy shit. I'm um, having a weird fucking day, bro. Kobe died, dog. Know, like, what do you man. need? It just so happens that the day Kobe died, we're going to do this book. Are you serious? I know, man. Like, how? Like, what? what? I'm sorry, bro. Sorry, it's gotta gotta happen. No, baby, say, throw it all out there. I was just kidding. Let it let it all flow. I, I think I think that's beautiful, and I love I love every every second we get to talk about this stuff as well, and it, it's just so exciting. So so that rounds it up to a, an eight point seven, um, which I think that it's some people will put it higher, some people will put it lower, but it I think it's gonna be in that high high eighties to nineties range because of because of how how it can connect and how deep it can get. So. That's the underwater welder, folks. And uh, if this hasn't, let's can I can I give you what IGN rated it? Oh yeah, of course. Uh, just because we usually do Rotten Tomato, but I feel like because this is a book, we gotta you know yeah. keep it keep it keep it uh the same. IGN's got it nine point five out of ten. Yeah, that's fair. Good Goodreads has it four point one out of five. Those are both really high ratings. Yeah, good. I was about to say, Goodreads probably has it as a good because a lot of Goodreads people, that's just books. That's just reading. So, I mean, they're very, sometimes they could be a little snobbish about books, but 4.1, that's pretty good on that Goodreads. Yeah, yeah that's, that's high. It's very good. 
Uh, well, before we close out, Zach, I just want to say, is there anyone out there you think could could capture Jack better than Ryan Gosling, or do you think it's a perfect fit? Uh, actually, I'm super disappointed in the casting, and uh, <laughs> I just feel like this movie's going to suck because they got this fucking garbage actor playing this amazing... Like, can we... Let's just, like, think just for a second. What do you think this movie's going to be like? Like, let's, let's just... Aspirational conversation right before we close. Like, what is the tone? Is there going to be comedy in it? So... You know, is it going to be sad? Are you going to cry? Or is it going to be, like, a scary movie? Like, what do you think? What do you think? What, what, I, what I think and what I hope is that it's going to be similar to Drive. Um, my fear is that I don't think you can really put comedy in this. I don't think that there's a lot of horror. Um, but uh, he is partnered up with, I think, Kevin Cow. That's how you pronounce his name. And, and they did um, Nice Guys together as well, which was a comedy with uh, Russell Crowe and, and Ryan That's Gosling. That's a good movie, though. It's so good. I think that it's movie's so movie. underrated. Yeah. Um, uh, really well done. So I think that the team is talented that they're making this with. and But the vibe of the whole book is just... I don't know. There's a lot going on in Jack's head without him verbalizing a lot of it. And I think that Ryan catch it, captures that type of character so well. Like he, he can uh, brood with the best of them, but also <laughs> have, have soft, <laughs> soft eyes and, and, dra- oh, and draw God you damn. in. So I think that I think it's a perfect casting. I think it's going to be artsy. I think it's going to be a lot of kind of add your own thoughts in to what he's thinking. Um, and kind of get a feel for what he's thinking based on his actions more so than his words. I think that the dialogue is going to be very limited. Um, and I think it's going to be hopefully really beautifully done. Oh, interesting. Yeah. yeah. Do you think it's going to be like weird, like Twilight Zone-y? Like, or do you think it's going to be white? more dramatic, like walk to remember? White. No, I, I just, I, it's not going to be black and white. I don't, I, but I think that, so I, I think it could be a drama. I mean, walk to remember is a terrible example. It's a fucking love <laughs> yeah, story, but you know what I mean? I mean, I mean, I mean, uh, <laughs> You know what I mean, like the drama where it's like everything matters and it's like heavy and dark tones. But I also think that they could take this in like a weird like, oh, Inception, Twilight direction where like odd shapes and like, oh, is he crazy? Is he not? I don't know. Like, like, I feel like those are the two options. You know what I mean? Yeah. And maybe those are two of the same. I just, I don't know. I just wonder, you know, how this is going to I think it'll be weirdly heavy. I think it'll be put your hands together, you know? I think there's going to be some weirdness to it. I think it's going to be fucking heavy. Cause it's a heavy book. Yeah. I don't Maybe know like how you can re- make this book. Yeah. Uh, Requiem for a Dream is kind of like that, where it's. Have you seen? Have you guys seen that movie with? Um, yeah. It's super. You know. Leto. Kind of dark. Yeah, kind of dark, kind of you know, very serious stuff going on in that in that movie, and um, the tone of it. Oh, I've never seen this. You got it's one. Of, it's a classic it's movie. Fucked, but yeah, it's yeah, really good. It's fucked, they but get it's heroin and. Jeff yeah, Conley rides a double dildo in front of like a bunch of people throwing money at her. It's it's fucked. It's, <laughs> it's a really dark it's, movie. It hits a it hits a lot of sore spots or a lot of dark spots. Sorry, not sore spots. And it hits a lot of, yeah. but it's serious and it's got that tone to it. You know what I mean? Um, I and I do think Ryan Gosling can do a good job. I know this is probably not the best example, but he had such a dark tone in Blade Runner. Um, throughout the whole yep. movie, like I don't think he barely smiled once in that movie, and he was very dark and very um. 
I don't know, guys. I feel like this yeah. character is really nuanced and complicated. I'm just not sure if a Gauze could pull it off. He does. He's not that good of an actor. Uh, so I don't. Can't wait. <laughs> so excited that he's in your fucking boys. Mo- like that's the, this movie is being played by him. It's like God, the stars are aligning. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, <laughs> I'm, we're we're obviously very much in love with the story. I hope you guys check it out as well. And please, if you guys do have any other takes or anything hits you that we didn't mention or hit you in a different way. Hit us up. Hit us up at Twitter um, or Instagram at Hop Heroes Pod because um, we are very interested in hearing what you guys have to think and what you guys have to say. So um, I want to give a shout out to Andrew Smith. Uh, thank you for uh, the, brewing the cider with us and, and, and being on and for the interview. Thank you so much for that. Um, do you guys have any shout outs you want to give before we head out? Um, yeah, Action City Comics. I'm going to help out teaming up with them a little bit more on their social media. Um, so keep a lookout for that. Uh, trying to get the store with more customers because obviously support your local store shops are important uh, particularly to us and uh doug and and is a great guy and that that family's kind of had that store for a very long time so um start seeing a little bit more of those things and a lot of statues going up you know so yeah love it love it z got anything for us before we head out nah man just uh thanks for listening and Thanks for listening to us cry for an hour. It's it's been a real intimate uh, time. And uh, yeah. Yeah. Thanks for rocking with us. I think Zach put it all out there. Everything he had to give. So thank you for that, Z. And uh, thank you guys so much for listening. As always, catch you next week.